The Stolen Maniple Podcast is a production of St. Augustine of Canterbury Church, a Roman Catholic community of the personal ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, serving San Diego County, California. This episode features Father Samuel Keyes. Here is the collect that most of the Roman Catholic world in, in various translations will be hearing at today's Mass. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. It's a good prayer, I think, concise and descriptive as a collect in the classical Roman form um, is. Uh, admittedly, though, it's quite different from the prayer used in our form for today. Let me just read that again. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which thy son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. This is a really wonderful and remarkable prayer, both for its beauty and its clarity. Now, one reason for that is that unlike the vast majority of prayers that are in our Missal and in other versions of the Roman Missal, this prayer was not actually composed in Latin, but in English around 1549 for the first English Book of Common Prayer. I point this out because it's one of those things peculiar to the ordinariate. No one else in the Catholic world is using this prayer today. Indeed, some, some people may find its use a little scandalous because it was composed by a Protestant. But I mention it boldly in remembrance that Pope Benedict declared just this kind of thing, a treasure to be shared with the whole church. And what here is worth sharing? It's a reminder of what Advent is about. Just yesterday, I was talking to my son about the Advent uh, calendars that we've been sent, you know, the little ones with the 25 doors with special surprises behind each. Now, in our house, we only ever use visual ones. Uh, there's a picture behind the door, not like candy or something. Uh, they, we get them from the grandparents in Maine. Uh, but as you're no doubt aware, they make Advent calendars with everything from chocolate to whiskey to steak uh, these days. Uh, anyway, we were talking about the fact that these Advent, that the uh, that these calendars coincide with the dates of December, but not the actual dates of liturgical Advent. And as it turns out, they they do not often really coincide with the actual themes of Advent as well. If they did, this first week would consist of uh, door after door of hellfire and brimstone reminders from the prophets. Uh, telling us that Jesus is coming back and that he's not going to be all kind and gentle like he was the first time. The second week, we would get a series of messages from St. John the Baptist, largely following a now classic meme in which the oddly attired wild man declares, Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers. Finally, in the third and last and fourth week, we would probably get some notes about Mary, but the bulk of these would be focused on the social difficulty of her pregnancy, of how those in power will be cast down and the, the poor raised up. All of which is to say, Advent has never been and never will be just Christmas light. I know that Americans like to lump everything from October to January as the holidays, but 
holy days for Christians include fasts as well as feasts. True, Advent isn't a strict fast like Lent, but that doesn't mean it's meant to be unbridled festivity, just a practical time to make sure that all the presents get wrapped and the Christmas pudding is properly seasoned. Which brings me back to the collect. We beg God's grace to cast off the works of darkness. The quotation from this morning's reading in Romans is pretty direct. The time has come, St. Paul tells us, to awake from sleep. And that is because, as Matthew tells us, the Son of Man will come at a time when we do not expect. And Jesus isn't talking about Christmas. We actually know when that's coming. He's talking about the end of the world. The prayer reminds us that the first advent is intrinsically related to the second. The purpose of advent is not just to remember the nativity, it is to prepare ourselves for the final and definitive advent of Christ in the world, the advent spoken of in the gospels and in the prophets, the day of the Lord when the Son of Man will come in glory to judge the quick and the dead. St. Cyril of Jerusalem encourages us to see these two aspects in the whole work of the Incarnation. He says, there is a birth from God before all ages and a birth from a virgin at the fullness of time. There is a hidden coming like that of a rain on fleece and a coming before all eyes still in the future. At the first coming, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. At his second coming, he will be clothed in light as in a garment. In the first coming, he endured the cross, despising the shame. In the second coming, he will be in glory, escorted by an army of angels. As he continues his sermon, he warns us that the Savior will not come to be judged again, but rather to judge those by whom he was judged. Preparing for Christmas means preparing for judgment. The fact that we first encounter this judgment in the form of a helpless baby should not obscure for us the fact that the baby grows up. We rightly love and focus on images of mother and child, both at Christmas and just in the Catholic devotional tradition in general, like right behind me, Our Lady of Walsingham. But because this is our way into judgment, babies are like that after all. Ask any new parent whether, whether they feel judged. Babies are cute, sure, but they can see through all your masks. They dare to make demands on you that no one else can. So preparing for Christmas should be joyful, but also hard, much in the way that any preparation for childbirth is both joyful and hard. Sometimes, frankly, the emphasis is more on the hard part in, in this world of sin and woe. But there's a real discipline to it that we neglect at our peril. Now, I'm not saying you have to be gloomy or avoid premature Christmas parties or be a jerk about people giving holiday greetings. You know, sing jingle bells all you want, as long as you also put in the work of fasting, of prayer, of offering up some kind of spiritual and bodily discipline. In a sermon about preparing for Advent with bodily penitence, Pope St. Leo the Great makes what I think is a pretty profound observation. He says, the body without the soul could not conceive desire. The body's power to enjoy comes from the same source as its power to choose. Now there's probably too much here to unpack, but, but let's glean at least this much. 
the enjoyment of bodily things ultimately comes from the soul. As we approach the mystery of the incarnation, there, there's much to meditate on there. A celebration of Christmas without its real spiritual wealth is ultimately no real enjoyment. So in order to enjoy the coming feast, St. Leo tells us, we need to fast. We need to prepare the body to receive the joy of the Lord. For if we are prepared, his judgment will be not a source of pain and anxiety, but a final confirmation of the love that he showed us on that first Christmas so long ago. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stolen Maniple podcast. For more information on our church and upcoming events, please visit Augustine of Canterbury.org. And don't forget to subscribe to hear future episodes.